This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Uh, I want to take you to Gilgal, Israel today, and uh, this is uh, a a map of where it's at. Uh, It's about um, 30 miles north of, or 30 minutes north of Tel Aviv, uh, Israel, uh, by foot, uh, probably about a 10-minute, 15-minute drive at the most, um, if you're going slow, and uh, we're the story that we're going through took place around 870 BC in this little town called Gilgal. This is a modern day um, uh, city that, that, it, that it is located. In. And um, the author of 2 Kings 4 that we're going to be reading in just a second is, we believe, Jeremiah. And uh, Jeremiah was the one who kept saying, trust the Lord. In fact, he said um, that when we put the trust in the Lord, Jeremiah 39, 17, he'll deliver us. And then he says in Jeremiah 48, 6 and 7, that, man, if we don't trust in the Lord, look at verse number six. If we put trust in our works and in our treasures, um, man, we'll be taking captivity. God, God will not withhold the enemies. Um, but Isaiah, just about 50 years later, would write this, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever. In the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Today, we're gonna trust God exclusively. And I hope this is an encouragement to dads, but everyone. And uh, let's pray and then we'll dive into it. Lord, as we take out our message notes and as we follow along in your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, we know that it is your word, your everlasting word, that the Holy Spirit uses to show us things we could never show ourselves, to do in us things we could never do ourselves. And God, we pray that you would please increase the trust we have in you, in your word, and in your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's one thing all dads have in common, and that is we like to have things under control, right? Uh, I didn't talk about this the first service, but I thought about it after the first service. You know, there's the thermostat and the controller to the TV are just kind of my domain, okay? Now listen, if Danielle and the boys want to touch them, but if the boys want to touch the thermostat, they need to come talk to me, okay? Listen, if it's too cold, all right, just you know, take your shirt off, boys. You know, like if it's, if it's too warm, get a blanket, put a coat on, right? Uh, so I set the temperature. Um, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes dads can, can have it, think like they have it all together. And sometimes the moms are like, are you sure you've got this, right? And, uh, and, and the mom perspective versus the dad perspective are often totally different. One of the illustrations of this is uh, dads having fun. This is a dad having fun versus a mom having fun, okay? Dad just kind of pushes the kids down and uh, we'll deal with whatever happens at the bottom. The mom's a little more hands-on, right? Um, Mom goes shopping, okay? They'll use the top of the cart. 
Dad goes shopping, they use the bottom of the cart, okay? Put a little lid on it, all right? Watch your game. I'm at Home Depot, all right? It's called the Man Mall for a reason. And so uh, Home Depot is, is, uh, is one of those great places to shop. Uh, and uh, sometimes the kids aren't into it, uh, as into it as, as I am. Um, here's another thing uh, that dads are good at doing. Dads are really good at um, thinking outside the box, all right? Um, this is a, a Halloween costume. That, that's just a little bit weird, okay? I just You have to admit, but that's what happens when the moms aren't around and the dads are, are uh, trying to do some things. Here's another thing. When mom's not around, dad's still got to get his gaming in, right? So he's, he's getting the gaming in, getting the feeding in. That's a little multitasking there. Dads are pretty good at multitasking too. Uh, this is another multitasking dad. Uh, he's swinging the kids and playing. Thank you so much. Swinging the kids and playing at the same time. But by far, this is my favorite. This one right here. Dad's getting work done regardless, all right? Listen, we've been thinking of parenting wrong the whole time, right? You don't put the kids in the cage. You put yourself in the cage so that you can get some work done. Let the, uh, let the kids roam the house. They'll be okay as long as all the outlets are plugged. So uh, there are some undeniable things that we try to control. There are some undeniable things that we want to figure out. In fact, that's one of the things that marks us as dads. We got this figured out. We know how to tie things down. We know how to, we know how to fix things, right? So, so dad's got some things under control. And I want you to know it's not bad to figure some things out. It's just bad to believe that you can figure everything out. It's bad to think that you can be the one that calls the shots on every living thing that walks and breathes around you. And so here's a quote and a key thought that we just need to remember starting out. God never asks us to figure everything out. He just asks us to trust that he already has. God has your marriage figured out. God has your workplace figured out. God has, God has your, your, not just your career, but God has uh, your gifting and your abilities figured out. Where you are to fit in this world, your purpose, your meaning. He has all that figured out. And so his word illuminates his way. And when we understand that, that number one, when we trust God, we trust his word as it's trustworthy. God's word is always trustworthy. Then number two, we're gonna see today that God's way always works. So number one, God's word is always trustworthy. It's always trustworthy. You say, well, I read one time that there was this thing in the Bible and it was, wasn't true and there, all these things. Well, listen, I, I've been for, for 25 years trying to poke holes in the Bible. Trust me, I went from skeptic to pastor. I, I have been trying to poke holes in all of the different angles that I could possibly find. And I just want to tell you something right now. For 2,000 years, they've been trying to prove, disprove the Bible, and it just has not worked. In fact, the deeper they dig in Israel and other places where the Bible's written, the more it validates it. The further they try to study the quote-unquote contradictions, the more they are seamed out. And I just want you to know the, the Bible, God's word is trustworthy. Now, when, with that as our premise, and, and, and again, even if you don't believe that, come with me, go with me here, because letter A, I want you to see in the narrative that we're going to read in 2 Kings 4, we're going to see how God-given principles, that's this book right here, God-given principles provide practical solutions. And, and I want, want you to know that every practical area of your life the Bible speaks to. You say, well, the Bible didn't tell me what, 
you know, who to marry and what car to buy. And No, 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 let, let me tell you something. The Bible gives us everything we need to know for life and faith. And, and, and it gives us the framework. It might not say buy a blue Civic, but it does say, hey, wh- whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Be a wise steward. There's all these principles that can guide everyday decisions. And so there are some biblical principles that guide and provide practical Solutions. I want you to see what's happening in the School of the Prophets in Gilgal. Okay, a hundred different prophets. They are hungry because this was happening. Chapter 4, verse 38. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 38. And Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said unto his servants, Set on the great pot, and seethe pottage for the sons of the prophets. So here, here we are, we're at the place of sacrifice. That's what the word Gilgal means, a place of sacrifice. And there's a dearth or a, a famine in the land. The word dearth literally means to be without water, scarcity, uh, constant hunger and, and thirst because of a lack of water, no water, no food, no cattle, n- nothing, right? And so they're in a drought, a very, very terrible drought. And God is saying, I want you to set a pot of food, which you don't have, right? You don't have food, you don't have water, but I want you to take the water you do have. I want you to set the pot and put water in it. Now, water is a picture in the New Testament and Old Testament of the Word of God. Uh, The Word of God nourishes your soul. It is what you need for life, okay? And so that's the Word of God. It's also a picture of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is that pneuma, the life that breathes into you, the spirit is, is, the, is, is what gives you eternal life, right? So Jesus said, out of me, when I leave, I'm going to give you my spirit, and that is what's going to give you spiritual life. So you can be alive physically, but dead spiritually until you receive the spirit of Jesus in you. That's uh, what the Bible says. And so it's a picture of the word of God. It's a picture of, of the Holy Spirit. And in places of sacrifice, in places of scarcity, uh, it often seems like, well, if I'm in this place, it's because God wants me to be. And so, therefore, his word and his promises are not trustworthy because of where I'm at. Because of the famine in my life, because of the, the season of scarcity in my relationships, because of the difficulty, the thirst, and the hunger I'm having in my soul, because of the things I'm experiencing in my life that God is allowing in air quotes, then God is not good. Therefore, his word is not trustworthy. Therefore, I'm throwing it all out. And I have these conversations regularly. And I want you to know something, that in a moment of scarcity, God still cares. In a moment of scarcity, God's still there. God is still providing, even in a moment where it seems like everything is falling apart. See, David talked about the tension between what we see in our world and the difficulty and what we see in God's word. And he said it this way. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was exactly what Jesus said on the cross. So Jesus was quoting Psalm 22.1. He says, why art thou far from helping me? Have you ever felt that way? And far from the words of my roaring. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime and thou hearest me not in the night season and am not silent, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. 
They trusted in thee and were not confounded or confused. Listen, they weren't as confused as I am, but God, I'm praying and nothing's happening. You ever been there? Man, have you ever said, like, I tried the God thing, it just didn't work for me. Have you ever gotten to a place of scarcity, a place of difficulty, a place of, of, of just you need help and you just feel like God is leaving you out there to dry, to, to die, to, to be on your own? I've talked to a lot of people who feel like God has forsaken them. And I want you to know that in those moments, when you feel like he's forsaking you, he has given you everything you need in that moment to survive that valley. And it's called the light of his word. And, and that light will, will illuminate one step after another. And his love is seen through keeping you just on the right. It won't be always a mountaintop experience. I am not a prosperity preacher that says, hey, everything in life will always be awesome. It won't. That's a lie. Sometimes things are difficult. Sometimes there's a moment of scarcity. There's a moment of drought. There's a moment of difficulty. And in those moments, God's still good. And his word is still trustworthy. How do we know that? Well, in this passage of scripture, which I believe it, it, it's a showcase of the goodness of God, it shows us that we can trust God because he's, he's sending a man of God with the word of God to these young men who are starting to doubt whether or not God is good because if God was good, why are they hungry? And he says this, he says, I'm going to ask you to put water in a pot. The little water that you want to drink, I'm gonna ask you to put it in a pot. And the water was to sustain them. The water was to make soup. That water was an important thing. So he tells the one thing he does have, he doesn't have a lot of water, but he tells his, his servant, his apprentice, uh, his, the word for servant is, is, is not slave, it's, it's an employee. It's, it's someone who is watching, a student who's watching your every move. So it's, I want you to take the young man who's watching the fact that you don't have water. Elisha was in the same drought they were in. So I'm gonna wa I, I want him to watch what God is going to do through you. First time I ever saw God do something for me was when I was, uh, I think, 15 or 16. And, and uh, man, I really wanted my own car. I hated driving my dad's uh, uh, 1987 Astro van. But so, so my dad brought me to a, uh, uh, to a car lot called the Junkyard, and uh, we picked out this 1988 uh, Ford Taurus SHO, and it was fast. The only problem was it was almost completely rusted through. And the great thing about the color that you see was it hid the rust. This isn't the exact one, but the same make and model. And my favorite thing about this car by far wasn't how fast it was. It wasn't that, that the color matched the rust. It wasn't any of that. It was that it had a brand new feature at that moment in, in, in our world, and that was keyless entry. I felt like such a boss walking up, punching in my code like everyone else has to put their key in, but I don't, right? I, mean, I just felt, you know, I was 16 years old. I felt like that was legit. It had some other cool fixtures. It had a sunroof and some other things. And I loved that car and I would feel so cool to get in that car until I remembered that the reason we got it for so cheap was you had to put a ton of water into it because the radiator was broken. And so I would have to go to the back of the trunk, pop the trunk, take out gallons of water, go to the front of the car. Again, 
The same friends that thought I was cool for punching in the code would also have to see me unscrew the cap to the radiator here. Go, 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 go. Hey, go, 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 go. How you doing? Go, 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 go. How much water does that thing take? A lot. Go, 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 go. Go back to the back. Get another gallon. Go, 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 go. I'd fill that thing all the way up, and it was good for about 15 miles. <laughs> I'd get to work. All right, all the water would be drained out from that radiator. I have to go back to the go, 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 going home, you know. I loved that car. But I will tell you something I knew, that if that car didn't have water, the engine would blow. And I will tell you something about your life and your relationships, that if you do not have the water of the word in your life, your engine will blow. Your relationships will fail. And I will tell you, it is uncanning to me. The very principles that are universal in relationships and in our world today are being mocked by our world, yet they don't have a better solution. And so it's crazy. It's funny. It's actually awesome to me when I, when I talk and I have lots of psychologists, friends, and, and therapists, and, you know, they're like, hey, we have this really cool new, new, new thing we're doing. And I'm like, you know, that's in the Bible. <laughs> you know, that's brilliant, but, but, you know, it's right there. And they're like, well, oh, wow, look at that. You know, it's like it, literally psychology is catching up with the Bible. I'm telling you that the Bible is brilliant because humans aren't the author. It's trustworthy and it gives you practical solutions. Now, the reason I get fired up about this is because in this passage, he tells a man with water, <laughs> with fire and water to cook soup. <laughs> That's not soup. No, no, no. Don't, don't pedal. Have you ever had some really, really watered down soup? Come on. Let's just be honest. You've had some really watered down soup and you're like, hmm, flavored water. <laughs> is this what I'm paying for, Olive Garden? You know, I'm not trying to call anyone out. But I mean, literally, it's like, whoa, what in the world? I mean, this is, looking at the bill, it's like, wow, I, holy cow. They're really making a killing here on this flavored water. Now, listen. So God tells him, hey, I want you to set the pot. Now, Men, it's not sit on the pot, okay? Some of you were reading this. We're like, what are you saying? No, no, no. Set the pot. Here's what I'm going to talk about. And he says, set the great pot, all right? So this is a pretty big pot. How many of you recognize this will feed a lot of people, right? I'm not sure if it's 100 people, 100 growing men. But, but he says, I want you to set the pot. And he said, I want you to pour water, okay? Pour water in the pot, okay? I want you just to fill that Fill the water up, okay? I need to drink some of this later, so I'm going to save some of this, all right? But I, I want you just to fill it up, all right? I want you to get all the water you can. I know it's a drought. I know it's a difficult time, but I want you just to, just to fill it up. And he, well, we don't have anything to put in it. It doesn't matter. Just set the pot. Start the fire. Do what you can, and let me do the rest. That's the principle. And I will tell you, there's a lot of people in life who say, once I get my act cleaned up, I'll go to church, I'll serve, I'll, I'll help. I will tell you that I want to get a big sign. My wife won't let me, but I want to get a big sign that says in the front of the church, hypocrites welcome. <laughs> All right? Because everyone's like, I don't want to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Well, I, you know what I always say? Hey, there's room for one more. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. Welcome. Come in. Sinners welcome. We are all a little bit hypocritical and we are all sinners. We are all imperfect people. And so when we come to a passage like this where it's like God telling them to do like cook the water when you don't have the food, we have to say God's going to ask us to do some things before we're ready. 
God's going to ask us to do some things in faith. Just trust him. He's going to say, hey, set the pot. Just start the boil and let me do the rest. And there's an important principle there. The important principle is the fact that God is often asking us to trust him in troubled times by, by just starting before we have all the ingredients to the situation. I love C.H. Spurgeon. He said this. He said, and here's a key thought. He said, just trust God. And to trust God in the light, that's nothing. But to trust God in the dark, now that is faith. You want to know what faith is? Faith is stepping out before you've figured out how it's all going to work out. That is faith. Faith is not blind faith. Faith is saying, I know this one step is right, so I'm going to take this one step. I know that if I light the fire and if I boil the water like God said, God will take care of the rest. And so that's that faith that is calling us to live a life of trusting God before we've figured out everything. And so here's an action item. Never wait until everything is perfect to move in obedience to God. Listen, if God's word's telling you to do something, I would encourage you, just do it. Just, just, just live a life that says, you know, I don't understand it. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem exactly the way that I would do it, but I'm, I'm just gonna live in, a, in accordance to this word. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off a pastor. I don't have to make up what, what we're doing as a church. I literally have to just follow this book. If anyone in this room ever says, hey, I'm, I'm noticing we're not doing this or I'm noticing this happened or the Bible says this and it's a little bit different than what you guys are doing. Listen, I'm all about it. Why? Because our marching orders are from this word. So God-given principles provide practical solutions. But then notice this, and, and, and this is crazy. This is a crazy story. Letter B, self-made solutions, and they can be a problem. How many of you know, you can think it's a solution, but it's not always a solution. <laughs> Sometimes the greatest things we think are going to work actually create a, a bigger problem. Notice what happens. The pot is boiling, and the guy who starts the pot, I think his name's Gehazi, but I, 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 we don't know this. It's not mentioned, which is why I think it's him. I think they, the, the parties who were guilty were left you know, unnamed. Uh, but, but this is what happens, verse number 39. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 39 through 40. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine and gathered wild gourds his lap full and came and shred them into the pot of the pottage for they knew them not. So they poured out for the men to eat. And it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O thou man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat thereof. Now, I grew up going to lots of potlucks right? You ever taken a lid off something? You're like, wow, you could not give me enough money to eat a bite of that, right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. There are some things you're like, wow, this is just not worth it, man. That's, that, there's, I, there's death in that pot. Well, they weren't just saying that because of the smell. They were saying that because they had eaten some of this little porridge, right, that he had made. So, so here's what he does. He has a brilliant solution. He says, he's, he's looking around, he's like, oh, I see some wild gourds. And so he, he takes some and he's like, look at this. I'll just start shaving this into the pot. This is awesome. And, and, and he's finding stuff hanging from vines. I think we have some pictures of some, some wild gourds in the, in, in, in the uh, you know, growing on vines and on trees. And he's like, man, they're going to love this. It's not, now it's not just hot water we're feeding them. Now I got some wild gourds, right? Got some little zucchini, zucchini, 
I can't say it. Zucchini action. I got some squash. I mean, we have some, uh, we have some pictures of, of some, uh, some other types of gourds that you'd find, man. I'm just, I'll just, I'm, whoa, holy cow. This thing's really sharp. Uh, don't get your fingers stuck in there. So anyway, he's like, man, I, I, I think this is a good idea. This is a good solution. There's only one problem. God didn't say go find wild gourds. God didn't say go find your own solutions. God didn't say, hey, uh, go ahead and, and go out in the field. If he wanted them to go out in the field, how many of you know he would have told them to go out in the field? Did you know that if you eat ornamental gourds like these that you decorate for during uh, you know, harvest time, did you know you will die? <laughs> I didn't, no idea. You know, we're putting them in our house. They're poisonous. So, so, but here's the other crazy thing. If you grow these things next to zucchini and squash and, and these poisonous ones, inter, their, their vines intermingle, the squash and the zucchini will be poisoned as well? I did not know that. And so most likely this squash or this gourd had gotten a little too close to the poison and had started to grow and had gotten that poison into that vegetable and they were eating that poison and it was making them sick. And they were, they were yelling, don't touch the soup. It is killing me. And I'll leave it there and how it was killing them. But it was killing them and it was bad. And there are many, many things that this represents. But the main thing I believe this represents is that there are solutions that we can get from culture and they look good and they seem good and they even sound good. But I will tell you something that I've had to learn the hard way and you probably have too, that not all the self-help solutions out there are good for you. And I want you to know when you get too close to the poison of the world, it might look good. It might even smell good. But I will tell you, it is not good for you. And there are things that are against the Bible that are being peddled as good in our culture today. And it is not good. And I don't care how many YouTubers say it's good. And I don't care how many people act like it's good. My friend, if it is contrary to the word of God, it is poison to your heart and to your life. It is not good. Friends, there is poison in the pot whenever we mix truth the truth of God's word with the poisonous philosophy of this world whenever we decide that our solutions our thoughts our ideas are higher or better than God's ideas here's a key thought and it is this we it's trusting ourselves and trusting others more than trusting God's word is always a false solution it's a false solution. We can think it's right, but it'll always lead us astray. That is why the psalmist said, better to, uh, better to trust in the Lord than be confidence in man. Better to trust in the Lord than be confidence even in princes. So I've tried to live my life, and I haven't always done this, friends. Please know this, but I've tried my hardest to, to and here's an action item, to live every day with a Bible verse and to make every major decision with a Bible verse in mind. Listen, if you're about to go through a transition or a move or a job change or, or, or a major decision in a relationship, I would encourage you to go to God's word and say, what does God's word say to that? And if you don't know or if you can't find a verse, I would encourage you to go to someone who knows the Bible and say, hey, does the Bible talk about this in relationship? Does the Bible talk about this in, in job transfers? Does the Bible talk about this in moving? Does the Bible talk about this in, in, in all of these areas? And, and, and chances are the Bible is going to speak 
to that issue. And so have a Bible verse. And so God's word is always trustworthy. Number two, I want you to see, and then we're done. God's way always works. Let's say that together. God's way always works. Man, it always works. Now listen, I'm not a pragmatic preacher either. Just because it works, you should do it. But I will tell you this. You, God's way always works. It always works in the end. You can, you can try. Listen, the way of the transgressor, the way of the person who's mocking God's way, it's hard. Doesn't mean that God's way is easy, but I will tell you, God's way always works. God's way always works. Now, letter A, I want you to see how it works. Trusting God's way brings protection and healing. Protection and healing. Notice what happens when God gets back involved in the process of cooking some soup in a pot. Look at this. Verse number 41. Kings chapter 4 and verse 41. But he said, then bring meal. And he cast it into the pot and he said, pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. So now there's no harm. The word no harm is uh, debar rea. And it literally means it's good now. Hey, that's not bad. It's no longer deadly or defective. In fact, it literally means to go from grievous to glorious, to go from terrible to terrific. Only God can take something that is horrendous and terrible and something you don't even want to smell, much less taste, and make it amazing. How did he do this? What did he say to do? Well, he told the man of God, he, he said, go over, and it specifically says, uh, by the word of the Lord, okay? And he said, take some meal, take some flour, he says, take that flour and throw it into the pot. Just a little flour. Now, in my, in my thought, now you have water and you have poisonous vegetables and now you have just thicker water and poisonous vegetables, right? So in my thought that if you just take flour, that's not a solution. Now it's thicker. What's the big deal? And God's trying to say this, and here's a key thought. When you take something little, and when a little thing becomes a God thing, it changes everything. It changes everything because God can take something that we say is insignificant, that we say is just not worth it, that, that, that won't change anything. And God can say that little step of faith, that little bit of meal, it's not about the flour. It's not about the action of it. It's about the faith of it. It's about you obeying what God said to do. And so God's way, when we're obeying God's way, it brings healing. It brings protection. And what happened was, not only did, as they ate it, it healed them of their, the bug, <laughs> the, the, the food poisoning that they, were in, they had incurred, but it also gave them the truth that God is the one that protects you. God is the one that does the impossible. As, as Jesus said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 27, he says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Let's say the end of that together. With God, all things are possible. We have to believe that God can do something incredible. So let me encourage you. Here's an action item. Listen, the next time things go terribly wrong, don't panic. Just use what God gives you. God says, you got a little meal? Well, we got a little little flour, what's that going to do? Just use it. I'll be in the flour. God literally changed the molecular structure of the food, and I don't think it went from poisonous to, eh, well, at least it's not poisonous. I think it went from nasty 
too awesome. I think it was, I, I think they couldn't get enough of it. But I will tell you something about soup. Soup's not a whole meal. <laughs> How many of you know, if, if mom sets down just soup, you're like, okay, that's great. Where's the bread? <laughs> where's, where's the corn and the cob, right? I want you to see God, while they were waiting, while they were hungry, God was working. Look at this. Letter B, trusting God, God's way, always means putting God's first. So what does it mean? We want to trust God's word. We want to trust God's word. What does that mean? It means putting God first. Now here's what this means. And, 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 and here's where we get it from the passage. Here they are. They have the soup now, but not a whole lot. And God says, leave that up to me. Look at verse number uh, 42. I want you to see this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And there came a man from Belisha, Elisha, and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, What? Should I set this before a hundred men? And he said again, Give the people that they may eat, for thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof according to the word of the Lord. I love this passage for several reasons. Number one, God has to tell the man who came, who God was sending to bring loaves of barley. Does that sound familiar? Loaves of barley and fishes from the New Testament, the feeding of the 5,000. God first fed 100 in the Old Testament, then he fed 5,000 through Jesus. But I want you to see, he didn't just bring loaves of barley and didn't just bring uh, corn on the cob, but he also brought the word of the Lord to this man. And the man said, hey, listen, this is the first fruits. I'm giving of what God has given to me but it's not enough for a hundred people. And I love this because am I the only one that God has to tell something over and over again until you get it? Like he says, say it again. And so he says, this is the word of the Lord. He says, set it before the guys. And God didn't just change the molecular structure of the soup, but he multiplied the bread and multiplied the corn so it'd be enough for a hundred hungry men. Now, let me tell you something. I grew up in a house of eight people, six kids, two parents. And I will tell you, me and my brothers ate more than everyone else combined. Like we would finish it off. And I will tell you, if you didn't finish your food in my family, I don't know about your family, but I'm gonna finish it for you. So you better not get up to use the restroom when you're, if I think you're done, you're done. Okay, so, so, so I don't know how my family, I don't know how my dad and mom paid for all that food, but I will tell you, I'm about to have a 12-year-old and he's eating, he's eating me out of house and home. Let me tell you, he's eating more than me and Danielle combined. But I will tell you, now you have 112 to 25-year-olds at the School of the Prophets. These boys were not just growing boys, they were hungry. And all you're gonna give them is soup, no. God says, hey, the barley train's on its way. <laughs> the corn of the cob's on its way. And it's not just going to be what he gives. It's going to be what I can do with what he gives. 
Isn't that awesome? Listen, it's not up to you to multiply your miracle. It's not up to you to do some awesome thing to help all the people. No, you do what you can do and let God do the rest. Man, if God's put something in your heart, just do what you can do and let God do the rest. You say, well, I, I, I can't serve as much as you can or this person. I can't give as much time. I don't have as much talent. I don't have as much money as that person. I can't give as this and I can't do that. Stop focusing on what you can't do and start doing what you can. Whatever the God has put in your hand, man, give that first. Give to the Lord first and let God do the rest. That's why Jesus said, God knows the need you have. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything you're seeking is on the other side of your trusting. And so here's the takeaway. And that is this. Trust, trusting God is not something we prove with our words our mouth, you know, we trust God or our intentions. It is something that is seen in our daily actions. I can tell you that I trust God. I can even have a good intention to trust him. But I will tell you, the only thing I believe in this book is what you see in my life. The only thing you believe in this book is what is seen in your life. Actions are the true fruit of belief. And so here's an action item, and it is this. I would encourage you to put God first, Give God the first fruits of everything you have, all of your talent, all of your time. I did a series uh, a couple years ago. You can get online and, and listen to it, but it's seven different areas that God says in the Bible are, are the first things that belong to him. He gives us everything. Every good thing is from him, but the first part of our day, he wants a part of. He wants, he wants to communicate. Your creator wants to communicate with you. The first part of our week, I'm proud of all of you. You gave the first part of your week to the Lord in church. The first part of our lives. I believe that it's important to set our lives as, as teens and young adults to, to give a, a larger part, portion of our time at the beginning of our lives. The first part of our, our abundance, whatever God gives us, the first 10% is actually his. And so God gives us these first fruits. He says, here are the first fruits and I want you to trust me with whatever's left. It's important to know that God can do more with what's left than you can with all of it. God can do more with the time that's left after Sunday than you can even if you had all of Sunday. God can do more with the money that's left after you give the first fruits. God can do more with the talents that you have that's left after you serve than he, you could with all of it. So let me encourage you with this. The word Gilgal, remember we talked about this is Gilgal? We'll, we'll end with this. Gilgal means place of sacrifice, but it's the root word of another word that's called Galgatha. Gilgal is the root of Galgatha. And Galgatha is the place of the skull. Galgatha is the place, and now it's, a, now it's just a bus station. Uh, I think we have a picture of it, but it's the place where Jesus bled and died for your sin and for my sin. You said, that doesn't look like a skull. Well, it's been marred by people who aren't friendly to the Christian faith. But 50 years ago, this is what it looked like. It is a hill that looks like a skull. And Golgotha is a reminder that even in your 
Gilgal, your place of scarcity, your place of sacrifice, you can remember that he sacrificed for you. The greatest reason to trust God exclusively is he sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. I believe Jesus was placed on this very hill. He was placed, I believe, based on what the Bible says, on a fig tree stump, a large fig tree stump with his hands above his head, not, not in a cross form, but on hands above his head, his feet uh, stacked and nails through his hands and through his feet. I believe he bled and died for you and for me. He paid the price that we deserve to pay for our sin so that we could be forgiven of our sins. No priest can forgive you. No pastor can forgive you. No person can forgive you. Only Jesus can forgive you. And that forgiveness is not temporary, it's permanent. And once you receive that forgiveness of Jesus, I'm telling you, friends, you have a home in heaven. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so everything we're talking about, trusting God, yeah, that, that's a daily occurrence, but it has to start somewhere. And that starting point is placing your trust and faith in Christ alone. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.